0: A quick warning that this episode contains scenes
1: of violence plus tape of gunshots. I'm Nora McInerney, and this is Terrible. Thanks for asking. I am a holder of some unpopular opinions. I don't generally make it a habit to dislike things for the sake of disliking them or to just like crap on things that people like. But I'm about to. OK, there are a couple things I don't like that millions of other people like. Number one, football. The sport. Number two, the Big Bang Theory, the TV show. I will say this. If you need a laugh track to tell people to laugh, it's probably not funny. Three, guns. Perhaps a stance that is more divisive than not liking the Big Bang Theory. I just don't get it, but, you know, I know that a lot of people do. A lot of people really love guns, and a lot of people really hate guns. It's just like the Big Bang Theory. (sighs) I will admit, I know nothing about guns other than they are a thing that is used to kill things. They are a thing that some people use for sports. Or just because they like them? Some people just like them. They just enjoy them. Regardless, like football, like the Big Bang Theory, I just don't get it. Guns are kind of a hot topic right now in the USA because we have this thing here that just keeps happening where people take guns and then use them to kill a bunch of other people. We call them mass shootings. The FBI has a definition for mass shootings. They say it's a single incident where more than four people are shot or killed aside from the shooter. And there have been so many here that we just sort of tune them out, kind of. The mass shooting news cycle goes something like this. Step one, mass shooting. Step two, we all yell about it on the Internet. Step three, politicians and experts get on TV or on Twitter and offer some thoughts and prayers Step four, something new happens to distract us, and we just kind of move on. But a few weeks ago, there was a shooting at a school in Florida, and we aren't moving on. It's not going away. And that's good.
0: When we have had our say with the government, and maybe the adults have gotten used to saying it is what it is, but if us students have learned anything, it's that if you don't study, you will fail. And in this case, if you actively do nothing, people continually end up dead. So it's time to start doing something.
1: Teenagers like Emma Gonzalez, who you just heard, are standing up to say that they've had enough because there have been a lot of mass shootings. They've impacted a lot of people. They're a part of so many people's stories. And this is one of them. This is one story about one couple in one mass shooting. On Thursday, September 28th, 2017, Kelly was driving to Las Vegas with her boyfriend, Steele.
0: We are probably listening to country music because we are getting ready for the festival.
1: The festival they're talking about is the Route 91 Country Music Festival. Kelly and Steele are on their way from just outside of Los Angeles, where they live, to the Mandalay Bay Casino on the Las Vegas Strip. We are probably listening to each of the people who are going to perform, because my boyfriend is
0: very, very into country music, and I am a country music newbie, so kind of just listening to music, and we're good
1: road trippers together, I would say. <laughs> Kelly and Steele were college sweethearts. They'd been dating for three years at this point, and They were really excited for the Route 91 festival. This is one of two major country music festivals for country fans on the West Coast. So it's an event. I didn't
0: know what to expect, to be honest. Um, We always go to concerts. That was something we did all the time. So um, I was really excited for the concert. And
1: um, I was excited because it was my birthday on the following Monday. It was a big birthday, too. Kelly was turning 25. It was a big deal, I, I wasn't very excited to turn 25. Right, it feels like, <laughs> oh shit, now I cannot <sighs> deny that I'm an adult.
0: Yeah, turning 25, I was like, oh man, I need to figure my whole life out.
1: <laughs> 24 had been a good year for Kelly. She and Steele had traveled to Europe together. They had moved in together. They had bought a vacuum together. Very serious. And now, they were going to a country music festival to celebrate her birthday.
0: It was exciting just to know what was ahead and to know that we were gonna be in Vegas, which I was excited to dance and sing and drink and
1: all of that. Kelly and Steele arrive at their friend's apartment. Sean and Tina live about 15 minutes from the Strip, and after they arrive, everyone just crashes, goes to bed, because tomorrow, the party begins. That first day, Friday, they got there early, and by early, I mean noon. They are 24. I just walked in, and
0: I'm going to tell you this, but we had, like, alcohol in my boots and... I don't know, security was just, like, really lax, and that was something we noticed,
1: like, the first day. Route 91 is a big festival. It's outdoors, and it's just across the street from two big casinos with hotels that look down over the area. 22,000 people were there to watch three days of music. There was a big main stage. There were shops with belt buckles and big cowboy hats. And Kelly and Steele were ready Specifically in the outfit department, which sounds maybe a little superficial, but she's 24. And this is what she imagines will be the most memorable part of her weekend away with her boyfriend. Her amazing outfits. Day one.
0: I was wearing my cowboy boots, these brown cowboy boots, and some light blue denim cut-off shorts and a, like, Collared tank top shirt that I had tied. Day two, I'm wearing an off-the-shoulder red flowery dress with. Actually, I was wearing some
1: high-heeled booties with it. Ooh, I love it! High-heeled booties. Day three, Sunday, October first.
0: I'm wearing black cutoff shorts. I'm wearing my um, cowboy boots again. And I'm wearing a black tank top with
1: a plaid flannel tied around my waist. For Steele's last day of the festival, he had selected a t-shirt, jeans, and a pair of running shoes. For the final day of the festival, Kelly and Steele and their friends find a great spot right up front, about 25 feet from the stage. This is a good spot. They're so excited. Kelly does what people do at shows. She takes out her phone. She takes out her phone and records a short video to show off where they are. The video shows the Mandalay Bay Hotel rising above the right side of the stage area, facing the crowd. People are packed in close. Kelly spins around, and at the end, steel pops into view. It's just a not-special video shot from a cell phone. I'm really happy. I'm still, like, having a good time, and we're singing, and... Steel knows all the words to every song, so <laughs> he's having a good time. At around 9.40 p.m., the headliner took the stage, Jason Aldean. He's the one that everyone is really excited to see. And you guys are close to the stage, so is it, mm-hmm. like, super loud for you? Are you singing?
0: Um, yes, I'm singing. <laughs> um, it is very loud thank god because i can't hear myself sing then uh but yeah it was it was pretty loud
1: and so then what did you hear so he was probably three songs in
0: and i heard this like popping almost it sounds like um almost like a firecracker going off um it's It was kind of like a a loud, pitch, sharp, like, pop. It went like, pop, pop, pop. My heart dropped immediately. Like, from the first sound I heard, I 100% knew what it was. And everyone stopped, and this guy next to me, turned to me and he looked at me and he was like, it's not what you think it is. And I just kind of looked at him like, I think it's exactly what I think it is. But in that moment, you don't want to overreact if it's not. But in my heart, I, I knew what it was. And he looked at me and he was just like, we're fine. It was just like firecrackers. And I was like, I don't think so. And I looked at Steele and we both just looked at each other like we didn't move. Like we just looked at each other and
1: just kind of stopped. Twitter user Luke Brodlick was there that day, also filming on his phone. And he filmed this moment and it becomes obvious it's clearly not fireworks. It's gunfire, a lot of gunfire. And heads up, it's pretty horrifying. So you can fast forward if you don't want to hear it.
0: It was like it was like a warning almost like it was a couple and then stopped for like 10 seconds. And then and then it just went and it was just
1: like a constant and we all ducked. Kelly dropped to the ground and Steele hovered over her shielding her. The people behind them started running towards the back of the venue. There was a pause in the gunshots for a second and then they restarted so we're all just like packed in this area in the front
0: right area of the stage and i had seen a woman next to me i think she got shot in the arm or something and she fell to the ground and um I didn't even know what to think. Like, I, I didn't even know what to do. I just, like, looked down at her, and she was screaming. And I couldn't see where she got hit. She was just, like, yelling. And someone was helping her. And then it just, like, started again. And in my head, I'm thinking, like, this is real. This is actually happening. And it's just, like the repetition of it and how loud it was, was like, I'll never forget that sound ever in my life. And then it paused and Steele was like, Kelly, get up, Kelly, get up. And someone was like laying on my leg. And so I couldn't really get up. And this woman was like, honey, you need to get up or you're gonna get trampled. And Steele was like, Kelly, get up, get up. And so he was like pulling me. And we just started like sprinting.
1: are going to take a break here, but we will be right back. Hi, it's Nora McInerney. Did you know that in addition to having this podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking, I have a book, a memoir from HarperCollins called It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too. I feel like you'll like it more than Lisa D., who gave it two stars. No hard feelings, Lisa, but why? My book is a memoir of falling in love with my first husband, Aaron, and then him dying of brain cancer. Spoiler! He dies right at the beginning, so I wouldn't be too shocked. You know, it's a, it's a love story. It's called It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too, and you can get it at bookstores and online on the internet. And we're back. Kelly and Steele were running away from a storm of bullets, they have no idea where their friends, Sean and Tina, have gone. But they also don't have time to think about it. In the middle of the venue, there was a bar area, and Kelly and Steele ran towards it. They needed to get behind something.
0: Because you just felt like a sitting duck. Like, there was nothing to hide you. You're just sitting there, and you see people dropping around, and it's, it's random. And you can't tell where it's coming from because you look around, there's someone on the ground over here. You turn around, there's someone on the ground over there. And, like, you could tell that the noise was coming from the right. Um. So I thought they were in the right front corner. I thought someone was walking through the venue shooting people at random because that's when I was like, well, security was really lax, like...
1: Someone totally could have brought a gun in. Kelly and Steele made it to the bar area. People had pushed over tables to use them as shields. Because it's the middle of a wide open area. The bar had a generator that powered it. And there were walls that surrounded that generator. And that's where they went. Kelly and Steele run into that 10 by 10 area between the walls and the generator and there was not a lot of space around it, and we ran in there, and there was probably 10 people,
0: like, hiding in this area. And I think I was, like, on top of someone's legs. Um, There's a couple to the left of me, and that was pretty much when, like, I thought I was going to die. Like... I kind of came to the realization that there was no way that we were going to get out of this situation. And we're sitting there, and I'm crunched, like, almost in child's pose, like, but holding my... Like, holding my head and... Like, on top of these other people, and Steele's, like... steals shielding me, and he's... He's, like, on top of my back. And so the whole time I'm just thinking, like, he's exposed and, like, he was ready to die for me. I still thought we both were going to die. We were probably in there for a minute or two in this like hiding and the bullets you could hear them hit the side of the wall or whatever steel plate or something that was around this generator you could hear it like smacking against it and it got so loud it was so loud and in my head i'm hiding there and i think that the guy is around the corner like I'm picturing the shooter just on the other side of this wall that's separating us. And so, I I remember I gave this, like, blood-curdling scream, <laughs> and I don't, like, I had no control over it. I just, like, started screaming, like, into my legs, because I'm just, like, huddled down there, and I'm just screaming. <laughs> Um, There was a husband and a wife against the wall. And I remember, like, when I screamed, she looked at her husband and she was like, I'm really scared. I'm really scared. Like, I think we're going to die. It was like, either we're going to sit here and we're probably going to die, or we could move. We still might die. It was like... I was like, either do something, and hopefully live, or sit here and for sure die. And Steele's just still on top of me, and then it pauses for a second, and
1: I look up at him, and I'm like, we need to get out of here, out of this spot. Kelly and Steele got up and started pushing through the people around them to get out. They moved outside of the enclosed generator space, and just like before, their tables upended and people hiding behind them like shields.
0: There was this guy who was sitting there and there was a pause in the bullets and he was like, he's reloading. You need to go now. And Steele was like, we got to run. And... And we just started sprinting. And this is the whole left side of the venue. So it's whole open space. That's just... It was probably the scariest thing, too, because we're running. And I'm like, well, if there's someone walking around, this is an easy target. Like, my boyfriend's 6'5". Five, I'm 5'11". Five like, we're big targets, and we're the only people running through this venue right now. We just sprint, and he's like a couple steps in front of me, and we're just sprinting across the venue, and right as we started, he started shooting again. You can hear the bullets hit the ground as you're running across. They would like burst once they hit the ground and we're running and he like kind of stops and like I think he got shot in the leg and I'm like freaking out and he just keeps running and I'm like are you okay and we're just running and his knee is like bleeding and I'm thinking like oh my god he just got shot in the leg but he's moving so we just got to keep moving
1: Kelly and Steele made it to another bar area on the edge of the venue. They hide behind more tables, and they get a chance to look at Steele's leg and realize that he hadn't been shot, but he did have fragments in his leg. The fence near them was gone somehow, and beyond that was a road and open parking lots. They still didn't know where the shooter was, but that area felt like if they could just get to it, they'd be moving towards safety. As
0: we were running out, um, you could see people like grabbing people who are wounded, like putting them over their shoulders and running out. Um, I saw this woman, she was completely limp. I don't even know if she was alive, but this man was just like, she was just on his shoulder and he was just running with her. As we sprinted across the left side of the venue, like, you could see people on the ground. And, like, you just,
1: you knew that they were dead. Kelly and Steele ran down the road away from the gunfire. The road dead ends into a cul-de-sac, and they hopped the fence at the end of it. They're not on the Strip anymore. They're in a part of Vegas that isn't hotels and shiny buildings. It's just a few square industrial buildings. And... Open space. It's just where do you go? You always have this feeling in nightmares like this or in real situations like this, like if you only get out, if you only get to safety, you'll be fine. But safety isn't a destination.
0: I saw someone
1: open a door
0: to one of the buildings and I was like, "Steel, we need to go into that room and we turned and they opened the door for us and we went into this office building there was like a little boardroom area there was probably 50 people and then they closed the door and they didn't let anyone else in we didn't feel safe even in this moment because we had no clue what was going on so It's like you feel a tad bit better because you're in this building, but then who knows? Like, what if they set up bombs? Like, and I know that's drastic, but like in that moment you're like,
1: well, what if this is a full blown? It doesn't sound drastic at all. I mean, you just were at a concert having like the time of your life and then. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, do you have any, like, do you have your phones or your phones working?
0: Yes. Steele and I walked straight to the very back. We actually go into the bathroom, and the bathroom's like a two-stall bathroom with, like, two sinks. Um, there's probably five people sitting in the bathroom right now, and we walk in and we sit down, and we're just sitting there. And we're both just—we th- just, like, calm our bodies a little bit because there's so much adrenaline, and we're just both telling each other we love each other, and— Then we call our parents, and at this point, it's not on the news or anything like that, so um, my mom was like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. We're safe, like, at this moment, but I have no clue what's happening. Like, I still feel there's a possibility I could die.
1: One of the other people in the office space is an off-duty officer with the Las Vegas police. After about a half hour, the cop in the room got word that the police had the building surrounded and there was a bus available to take everyone to a safe space away from the venue. But when they get outside, there were no cops, no bus. So they start running again, east again. Away from the shooting. And they hit the back of McCarran International Airport, which is just a few blocks from where they started. And it was kind of a dead end. And we're like, what are we going to do? Their car was still at the Mandalay Bay Casino in the direction of the shooting. So they did what you do.
0: I called a lift.
1: (laughs) A lift. She calls a rideshare. So little time has passed since the shooting started that this driver doesn't even know what's happening. He just knows cops have blocked some of the streets, which is, it turns out, what that cop in the building had meant when he said cops were surrounding the building. He meant there are cops nearby the building. This driver, though, has hit a roadblock. The little dot on her phone... We can track your driver, it's stalled. He calls me and on the phone I'm like
0: I can see where you are don't move, like we are coming, please do not leave us we're two minutes away and he's like okay um, I'm gonna stay on the line with you and I was like please okay yes, like we're coming, we're coming and I saw him and he's like Kelly? (laughs) Like yes (laughs) and we get in the car and the minute Steele and I got in the car, we both broke down, like, we we knew we would be okay at that point. I felt way safer. Like, I knew it wasn't over, but in my head, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that someone just picked us up. <laughs> he starts driving. He's like, I could tell something was wrong by the sound of your voice. I didn't want to leave you.
1: During the lift ride, they get in touch with their friends Sean and Tina. Sean and Tina had gotten out of the venue right away, and they were at the apartment waiting for Kelly and Steele.
0: We like compose ourselves and we walk into the apartment, and Sean and Tina had closed all of their blinds, and they were just sitting there, and we like hugged them and we we're crying, and we we're so happy that they were okay.
1: Kelly took out her phone. People had seen the video she'd taken earlier, the one that showed the hotel and the stage, the concert, and all those people, and they'd started reaching out.
0: And like now,
1: I'm like, oh my God, that is like such a crazy
0: video now to think about because it was like that's where he was coming from. This is the whole stage. This is the crowd we were in.
1: This is where we were. And like who in that video is still alive?
0: Yeah. I
1: Yeah. At the apartment, they turn on the news and start to hear reports about what happened. It started out saying two people were dead and then more and more. What we know now is that at 10.05 p.m., As Jason Aldean was partway through the song, When She Says Baby, a 64-year-old retired accountant named Stephen Paddock used a hammer to break out two windows in his hotel room on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel, across the street from the concert. Surrounding him were 23 rifles. Many of those were outfitted with high-capacity magazines and so-called bump stocks. Those are the things that make a semi-automatic rifle fire like a machine gun. Over the next 10 minutes, Paddock fired more than 1,100 bullets into that tightly packed crowd of 22,000 people. He didn't even need to aim carefully, just pull the trigger. And when he ran out of bullets in one gun, instead of reloading, he would just pick up another one. Those pauses that Kelly and Steele kept experiencing, that was him picking up another gun. When police finally made it into his hotel room, they found Paddock dead on the floor from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Before he died, Paddock killed 36 women and 22 men. Of those 58 people... 51 were killed by a single bullet, shot indiscriminately from above. 422 other people were hit by bullets but did not die. In total, 851 people were injured during the attack. We didn't
0: get hurt. Like, we had cuts and, like, bruises and all of that, but we didn't get shot. We didn't die. We didn't have any injuries and there was people around us who died that was overwhelming um it's like why them and not us it's hard to come to terms with it
1: The next day, Kelly and Steele found a way back to the Strip because they had to get their car. And they got in and started to drive away from the Mandalay Bay Casino, away from the Strip, back to California.
0: We were listening to country radio for a little, and they were talking about it, and people were calling in, and it was just way too much for us to handle. So then we put on some music, and you. He'd be shocked at how many songs talk about guns or shooting and (laughs) death. And I think we just sat in silence for a little while. We were just holding hands the whole time. And we kept being like, we are
1: so lucky to be alive and okay." It was, if you remember, Kelly's 25th birthday
0: we had planned for his whole family and my whole family to have dinner together on that monday night so they asked and i said like i want to do that still because he like we both felt like we just really wanted to be around our family we walked in and it was really hard <laughs> and it's hard for our families too because they knew what happened but they didn't understand exactly what happened and no one can really know unless you're there
1: Kelly's birthday party includes her nephews and their little kids they don't know what has happened and one of those nephews was really confused
0: he's the six year old he just kept being like why is everyone crying what's going on (laughs) What's happening? This is and a weird dinner. This is a weird birthday party. Yeah, he was like, but Auntie, it's your birthday. Why are you guys crying? And I think all we said was, oh, we were just in an accident. Like, it's fine. And I just, like, grabbed them. And it's, it was so nice to be around them because they're just so innocent. <laughs> they're happy. They have no clue. And it was nice to be around that.
1: There are two sides to this trauma for Kelly. One is, wow, I am so lucky to be alive and life is such a treasure. And the other is, oh my God, is it gonna happen again?
0: Before, Steele and I loved going out. Um, We love going to see live music. Um, We like going to bars. We like going out with friends go to dinners all the time together. Like, we have little date night adventures all the time. And since the shooting, we've kind of
1: taken a step back. The things that bring them back to that fear and panic over and over, those things can be found almost anywhere. Even simple little things can be difficult.
0: It's hard because you go through the grocery store. I'm on edge the whole time. I'm looking around at people, anyone who looks kind of weird. Um, I'm thinking twice about them. I'm like, do I want to be in this, this area? My heart's beating really fast. My hands are sweating. Um,
1: but no one knows that. It started to feel claustrophobic to be anywhere, to not know exactly how to get out of a crowded space. Even like a
0: busy restaurant, I would get really, really bad anxiety. Um, And in my head, I would think, well, there's a lot of people here. This is a target. If someone wanted to make a statement, they could make a statement here.
1: Kelly and Steele went from super social young people to young people who are counting the nearby exits and plotting an escape route while on a dinner date. And their friends and their family really do their best to remember that the injuries that Kelly and Steele carry from that night in Vegas aren't physical.
0: Even like our friends sometimes, they forget because we look normal. And in a conversation, we're normal. When we're at their house, we're normal.
1: (laughs) Normal women in their mid-20s do things like go to engagement parties, go to bars. And Kelly tries her best to do that. And a month after the shooting, she and Steele go to an engagement party for one of their friends. The party started at a friend's house and then, for the after party, moved to a bar. That's what young people do.
0: All of our friends were there and it was an amazing party and it was an amazing time. And then they wanted to go out and... The whole time we had known that this was gonna happen, so Steele and I were kind of trying to talk ourselves into it. And we walk into the bar and Steele looks at me and he was just like, I need to go. We need to go. Um and we we walked out and he started breaking down and I I started crying and we were just sitting on the outside of the bar like Around the corner on the building. And we're just sitting there crying. And as much as we wanted to be okay and have this not affect us, it was, like, physically impossible. My friend called me and was like, hey, where are you guys? And I was like, I can't do it. I can't go in there. I'm sorry. Like, we're leaving. And she was like, it's okay. I understand. Like, I'm so sorry. It's no one's fault. It's
1: just... It's just also hard not to feel like like you're disappointing people, even though you're not and your yeah. friends understand. yeah, you're like, well, what about the day when they don't understand, or what about the day when yeah. someone doesn't understand? and
0: yeah, and it's hard for to admit that to ourselves, I think too, that we're not ready to do that yet. It's like one day at a time and one week at a time, and one week, I'll be really okay, and one week. I'm anxious to walk from my car to my house because I think, well, this bad thing happened to me, so
1: something else bad's gonna happen to me. Some weeks are better than others. That's true for Kelly. It's true for everyone, it's true for America. Some weeks are better than others because we have a lot of mass shootings in America. We've had 115 of them since the Route 91 shooting in October. 115 incidents where four or more people were shot. We recorded this once already, and the number was 110. We updated it six days later to let you know it's been 115. By the time you hear this, there will have been more. You can check gunviolencearchive.org if you want to keep up. And these mass shootings aren't all headline news, but some have been. October 18th, 2017 in an Edgewood, Maryland, business park. A man killed three people and wounded three others. On November 1st, 2017, a man walked into a Walmart in suburban Denver and killed three people. On November 5th, 2017, Devin Patrick Kelly, a 26-year-old ex-U.S. Air Force airman, walked into the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, during Sunday morning service. Once inside... He killed 26 people and wounded 20 others.
0: That really got to me because for it to happen so close to one another, I think in my head, I was like, well, this is going to be all the time. And this could happen
1: anywhere, and I don't feel safe anywhere. On November 14th, 2017... A man shot and killed his wife and then went on a 45-minute shooting spree in the Rancho Tahama Reserve in Northern California. Part of that spree included an elementary school. Five people died. Ten more were injured. On January 28, 2018, a man wearing body armor started shooting at a car wash in rural Melcroft, Pennsylvania. Four people were killed, including the killer's former girlfriend. When
0: more mass shootings keep happening, it just, like,
1: reiterates my sense of safety that I don't have any. And there's been one week that's been especially hard for Kelly. As we mentioned before, on February 14th, Valentine's Day, a 19-year-old walked into the Marjory Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and killed 17 people.
0: I was actually having such a good week before that happened. I was feeling very confident. I was thinking that I was... I had this moment where I was like, I, I think I can get through this. I'm getting better. And then that happened, and I lost it. Um, I It was hard for me to think about anything else for that week, honestly. And still, it's hard for me not to think about it. And I think what's different with this shooting, too, is that... You have videos of these kids um, hiding and scared and I can't watch them because it puts me right back into that place and I know exactly what they're thinking and feeling and I know how they're feeling and I don't want anyone to feel like that ever and to know that this whole school felt like that is like breaks my heart. just hard to know that shootings are commonplace now. People just expect it.
1: Experts have a name for this continued exposure to the thing that hurt you. They call it re-traumatizing or sometimes re-victimizing. And even though Kelly isn't one of the 851 people who were physically injured that day, she's still a victim. She's still a victim of a mass shooting in America.
0: It's like they can't feel what these people are feeling, so they don't see it as as bad. Like, those are the people who are like, well, you're okay. (laughs) I'm not okay. (laughs) I'm not okay. I came out from this way better than a lot of people. I'm not okay. This can't be something that Americans are just okay with and hoping that it won't happen to them. But if it happens to someone else, well,
1: there's nothing we could do about it. I have never been in a mass shooting or any shooting, but I know what it's like to go through something hard And I know what it's like to feel like nobody gets it because it didn't happen to them. There are plenty of tragedies in the world. Every single day, all day, there's something awful happening. And if we truly let all of that sink in all the time, we wouldn't even be able to get out of bed. Which I understand. I understand holding those things at a distance because before my first husband, Aaron, had stage four cancer, I was like, hmm, cancer's sad. You know? It's sad, but there's nothing I can do about it. It's like kind of how I felt about hearing about shootings, too. Like, sad. Tragic. What could I do about it? And so sometimes I would just not pay attention to stories like Kelly's. And Kelly's is just one story. It's just one story out of thousands and thousands. Kelly's boyfriend, Steele, he has his own story and he's not ready to share it, we asked. Kelly's family, even though they weren't there, they have their own story for this. The friends and family of the people who died that day have a story, Jason Aldean has a story. That Lyft driver, he has a story. Every time there's another shooting, there will be more stories, thousands more stories, from people who are doing ordinary things. Having an ordinary day or even a really good day. People who never thought that the statistics that we use to argue on the internet, that politicians offer their thoughts and prayers about, that any of that would include them or the people they love or the people they were picking up in a lift. And these people don't get to move on to another headline or another news cycle because it's not just another story it's their story I'm Nora McInerney, and this has been terrible. Thanks for asking. Hans Buto is our senior producer. Our intern is Muna Shechemar. Tracy Mumford is an angel. Tracy listened to this episode, gave us fantastic notes. She always does, even when she's busy, which I highly appreciate, because she's basically like, yeah, I'll do your job, too. Thanks, Tracy. Hannah Meacock ross is our project manager, good friend, wonderful person, just in a lot of ways, I would say the center of my life. No offense to you, my children, my dog, or my current husband. We have live shows coming up in St. Paul, Minnesota, April 13th and 14th at the Fitzgerald Theater. You can get tickets now, and you should, at Fitzgeraldtheater.org. Our theme music is by Joffrey Wilson, and we are a production of American Public Media, APM.